I want you to listen. I'm going to read to you from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And for time's sake, uh, I'm just going to give you the scriptural reference, beginning with Matthew 21, 13. I'm going to talk to you today about prayer. I'm going to talk to you today about prayer in the church. Prayer in the church. Let me introduce it by saying one more time. It is so important that people that go to church realize what they're going to. That we're going to God's house. We're going to meet God. We're not coming to fellowship with each other. As good as that is, that's a side benefit. But the thing that is to draw us is him. And he has promised us there are certain conditions. When they are met, he will show up. And when he shows up, we're never the same. Nobody ever comes in the presence of the living, resurrected Lord. This life is not dramatically changed by the power that comes from that moment. Even if it's a rejection, you'll never forget that moment of being in the presence of God. So you'll pick up quickly from Matthew 21, 13. And said unto them, it is written, Jesus speaking, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Let Mark say it from Mark eleven seventeen. And Jesus taught unto them, is it not written that my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? And then when Luke wrote his gospel, saying unto them, Luke 19, 46, it is written, my house is the house of prayer. Three times out of the four synoptic gospels, they recorded that word from Jesus. My house, it's his house. If where I live and where you live, we have the choice of how we decorate it. We have a choice of what we do with it. We have a choice with what its purpose is. If it's your house, of course, it may be the mortgage company's house and you're just kind of renting it on a 40-year basis, but uh, whatever that might be. But the point is, it's a personal thing. Now, God's house is God's house. It's not our house. So you come in and say, I don't like this, I don't like that. If God's house is being used like God wanted to be used, and the Word of God is being taught in it as God wanted to be taught, and that house is doing missions around the world, beginning in Houston, our Jerusalem, then that's what we're to get in on. I think uh, the easiest way to say it is that whenever we show up at church or looking for a church home, go and find out what God's up to and get in on it. If God doesn't show up at church, it doesn't matter how many other people show up. It's not a big church or a little church or a medium-sized church. It is God's house. It is God's place. When our church was led in 1975 to get out of debt and never borrow again because God's told us don't owe anybody anything. We wanted God's house to be his house and this place to be a place of prayer, a place of teaching, a place of love, a place of ministry, and a place of praising God from whom all blessings flow. I wonder how many of us believe that prayer is really important if the kingdom of God is ever going to be what God wants it to be. Could I remind you one more time? This has been a very traumatic time in history as we've gone through an election and we've all had our political opinions and so forth. The nation has decided and has chosen its leaders and others are being selected right now as to what 
they should uh, do, and, and all of us uh, should be praying for right selections to be made. But let me tell you something. The Scripture says there's only one thing that's going to make the nation what it's to be, and it has nothing to do with Washington, D.C. It has all to do with the prayer room and the prayers of God's people and the church. God chose the church to flow his power through. And when the scripture says, if my people will do their deal, and that is humble themselves and what? And what? Pray. Then you're going to see blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. It is so easy for us to come to the point, now I've got enough money. Now we've got the right people in leadership. Now we have, have made the right investments. And not understand, God says, no, no. Until you learn to set up with me communication. I don't change, but your conditions change all the time. He said, I don't change. I change not. And I want to direct the, your affairs. I want you to take up your cross and I want you to follow me. And in order to follow me, you've got to stay in communication with me. And you need to talk less and listen more so that I can tell you what I want you to do. When it comes to praying and serving and giving that we talk about all the time, it is not up to you as to whether you should or shouldn't. God's Word clearly says, I want my kids busy about the Father's business, and I want them to stay in contact with me. Let me ask you a question. Does it upset you when your children won't talk to you? Won't answer the phone? When they could care less, does it bother you? And I'm seeing heads go like this all over this building. What do you think about the Heavenly Father? You think you've got a problem. He's got a host of them. He's got millions of them. So I can't talk or I won't talk to my Heavenly Father. We use prayer for everything other than what it's supposed to be used for. It's a great crowd controller. <laughs> you know, everybody, mama, 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 somebody comes to the microphone, let's pray. <laughs> we just have an instantaneous revival. You know, you'll do that whenever it comes time for Thanksgiving dinner. You've done it now, Christmas dinner. What are you going to say? Everybody, hey, 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 y'all come over here and Fred, lead us in prayer. Everybody, they're looking over at the, you know, where they're going to sit and all that kind of stuff. But they get so spiritual. It's a filler. It's a transition. Why we do this, let's pray. Not that the prayer is important, but it's really important that we make the transition, so let's just plug that in. That's not what prayer is all about. Do you agree with that? That's not what we're talking about. When we talk about prayer in the Bible, it's never a filler. It's the main thing. Because it's through prayer that we get our instruction. It's through prayer that we share our adoration to the Lord. It is through prayer that we understand the written word of God, and every one of us need to learn how to pray. You know, we get so blasé about praying. We kind of take it or leave it. But let me tell you, there's two that don't look at it that way. The number one is God. God looks at prayers as major, 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 major. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit take seriously whether we pray or not. 
They care a whole lot if we make decisions and don't even pray about it as opposed to where we seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he's near. God wants to hear his children pray. God wants to have an opportunity to stop us when we need to be stopped and encourage us when we need to be encouraged. And Some things God is going to do whether I pray or don't. I really believe the sun will set this afternoon if the Lord doesn't come back again, whether I ask God to take care of that or not. I think it'll come up in the morning. I may not see it. I hadn't seen it in a few days recently, but I believe it's going to happen. God is not waiting for us to give him his itinerary for the morning or the afternoon or the evening. God is looking for a people that'll trust him to take care of the stuff and follow him. You know, there's some things that aren't going to happen no matter how I pray. You say, well, I'm one of those preachers. I can identify with you. I've had a whole lot of prayers that God hadn't answered. Oh, yes, he did. He said no. That happens to be an answer to prayer. It really does. He said no. And the reason he said no is because he has something better planned if you will just simply trust him and walk after him. The point of my message today, though, is some things will happen only if we pray. Only if we pray. Stay with me for just a few moments as we talk about that. God is waiting 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to hear his children pray. He has a way of hearing our prayers individually as well as collectively. Sometimes it takes time for God to answer. You remember that little scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17? It says, pray without what? Ceasing. That means keep on. Well, I just don't want to worry, God. If God has laid it on your heart to pray, just keep on praying. Keep on praying. Don't stop. Don't quit. It's okay. Even if he said no, eventually he will convince you that he said no. But the main thing is don't just drop it off as a quick note. But if it's really important to you, pray without ceasing. Now, by the same token, others are answered immediately. Can I give you one? Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call... Upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. When? Immediately. Born again. Have you looked at your birth certificate? Do you know what time you were born? 12.01 a.m. You know, they write it down, don't they? There's that moment of birth. There's a moment of a spiritual birth. You don't get saved by osmosis. You don't get saved by getting a little bit better. There's some folks that believe if they just, if they have 10 sins, if they can get rid of six of them, they're in. The point is, if you got one sin, you're out. But if you've got the moment when you pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and you pray it from a broken heart, confessing your sin, not arguing about your sin, not trying to justify your sin because everybody you run with does it a whole lot more times than you do, so you think God is grading on the curb, there's one prayer God will answer immediately. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
At this moment, right now, wherever you might be, whether you're watching uh, live on the internet or right here in Houston, you can be born again instantaneously if you will acknowledge your sin, confess your sin, and invite Jesus Christ to come into your life. It is an instant answer to prayer. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save my soul. And instantly, you are born again. You're adopted into the family of God. But let me tell you something. If you're sincere, your life is going to change instantaneously too. The things you once loved, you're now going to hate. Some places you used to go, you don't go there anymore. Some relationships that you're involved in will no longer exist because you will be brought together with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he will point you in the direction that he wants you to go. When the church begins to major on prayer, all of our churches, that's when a mission evangelism around the world is going to explode. You see, when people start praying, they start giving. When people start praying, they start watching what's going on in the world. When people start praying, they stay in communication with God and God directs their paths and puts them in the place where you're not only giving that somebody else might share the gospel, but you will find yourself sharing the gospel when you never have done that before. And sometimes you don't even know you're doing it. In fact, most of the time you don't. It's not just reading a pamphlet to somebody. It's just, as Stuart has been teaching us on Wednesday night, just start talking about the greatest day that ever happened in my life. And all of a sudden, people begin to tune in. And they want to know more because they know that they need Jesus too. So God takes prayer seriously whether you do or not. But so does the devil. Satan takes prayer very, very seriously. He hates they hear God's kids pray. The demons hate to hear a Christian pray and call upon the Father because they know they are totally defeated, already have been defeated. And when we call upon them, they come, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as our allies. And no weapon can destroy us because he that's in us is greater than he that's in us the world. All power is given to him, God in heaven and in earth. And that's the power that he wants to pass on to his blood-bought, born-again, adopted children. Philippians 2.10 says that at the name of Jesus, listen to this, every knee shall bow of things in heaven things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen to James 2:19. You believe that there is one God, you do well. The devils also believe and they tremble. Did you hear that? See, I'm talking to people right now and you say you believe in God but you don't fear this book one iota. If you feared this book, you'd make major changes in your life, but you don't. But you know what? When the demons know that God's gotten involved in this, they tremble. See, they know 
They know that God is serious. God doesn't just do things and you say, are you kidding me? No, he's not kidding you. God the Father sent his son to die on a cross for us. That's, that's, not, that's not shallow stuff. That's extremely, extremely important. When we that claim that we're a Christian try to share the gospel with the world, that we understand that God takes it seriously what churches do on Sunday. God takes it seriously what is preached from the pulpits of what are called churches or through television or radio or wherever the gospel may come. God takes it seriously. This is his written word, inspired and errant and infallible. And let me tell you something, because some look a little bit discouraged right now. Everybody can pray. You know that? Everybody can pray. You ever been in a room in a situation when, uh, where you see somebody really important, they speak and everybody. What was it, E.F. Hutton a long time ago? Yeah, when he speaks, everybody listens. I don't know where it ever happened to E.F. I haven't seen him in a long time. I never did meet him. But let me tell you something. You ever been around a room? Maybe it was a holy place like a formal wedding that somebody spent $100,000 on and a three-year-old goes berserk that shouldn't be there. You think they don't get attention? Well, they do from everybody but their parents sometimes, if you know what I'm saying. But the point is, hey, God loves the little children, the little spiritual, the young spiritual children. If you cry out to God, Lord, have mercy on me. Help me, save me, hear me. Watch out. He's going to show up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of of the Lord. In Luke 23, 34, we have Jesus praying. Remember, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, where is he? He's on the cross. Who's he praying for? Those that are nailing him to the cross. Did God hear his prayer? You bet he did. You always say, ought to, he's God's son. But let me ask you something else. How many crosses were there? Three. On one of those crosses, there was one of two thieves, right? Are, we, are you with me? All right, Jesus prayed. Did the Father hear him? Yes, yes, yes. But in the 42nd verse, the thief prayed, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You think he had been in any, any prayer study courses? You think that he had studied the Bible on prayer and knew just how to fly that prayer up to the Lord? No, he's a dying thief. He's going to face eternity in days to come. But God heard his prayer. Right? You believe that? You bet he does. So don't go around and say, I'm not one of those polished ones. You say, I just can't pray in public. You don't have to pray in public. The Bible even says the best place to pray is what? Get in the closet, close the door, and when nobody's listening, then let her rip. And then you don't think about, oh, Charlie's there. I sure want to pray for this. You know, Susie's here. I better pray for that. And I think, you know, because this is like a, a Dale Carnegie course or something. No, that's not the way it works, folks. God loves to hear the passionate, honest crying out for help from his children even if they're brand new, or from sinners who are saved. 
Lord, have mercy on me, sinner. As this man said, remember me. Lord, remember me when you come into the kingdom. He was already a pretty good theologian and talking across to the other thief, said, we deserve what we're getting, but this man does not deserve. And the man that's nailing him to the cross, he said, I've never seen a man die like this, talking about Jesus. I've never seen it before. There was something different about him. Yes, there's something about that name. So please, folks, understand, maybe you're a baby Christian. Maybe you're a graduate Christian. You know, parents listen to their children when they're babies, and they can enjoy conversation with them when they get and become a graduate of high school or college or seminary or whatever. But for us to feel like that praying is not for me, I just don't, I just don't have in me what they have. I just don't know how to talk like they talk. No, no, you don't have to. Babies aren't supposed to talk like college graduates, and college graduates aren't to talk like babies. But God hears the prayers of all of those that call upon his name. I heard a person say one time, we're talking about prayer. And the words were, I'm just not into that kind of thing. Into what kind of thing? What are you talking about? Well, I mean those eloquent, I just don't know you. We're talking about just communicating with God. God wants you to. He wants to hear you. And all power is given to him in heaven and in earth. And the, and the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And it is level in the prayer room. It is level in the auditorium. Everybody here if you will pray to God right now, whatever your need is, God will hear your prayer. Now, if you're trying to manipulate God, you better forget about it. He not only knows what you're saying, he knows what you're thinking. So don't bring this spiritual stuff to the Lord. There's too many millions of people that have been ahead of you on that one. But when you come and say, God, I really want your will for my life, because you said no good thing will you withhold from those that love you. And the longer I live, the more I love you and the more I trust you and the more I want you to be a part of my life. We're not in a class system. We're in the family of God. It's not a holy of holies anymore. The veil of the temple was rent. We can approach God. We can approach God. And he knows. He knows everything we know. And you know what? He knows some things that we don't know. Can you imagine such a person? He does. I believe God's got a sense of humor. I've looked in the mirror enough times to believe that. <laughs> and, and I believe that God sometimes, when he's having a slow day, I guess, kind of gets amused as how ignorant we really are when it comes to what's offered to us. Where God says, I will open up the windows of heaven and I'll pour you out a blessing. I will return to you a hundredfold. And we think, isn't that funny? You think I'm going to believe that? I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe what the world is doing and what the world is telling me. I'm not going to believe what God tells me to bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there'll be meat in my house. And trust me here with Seth, the Lord of hosts. 
if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you'll not be able to receive. If I stop right now and let people that have learned from that scripture get up and speak, we'd have to cancel the concert tonight because we'd be here to a long, long, long time. God never fails. God never lies. God never withholds any good thing from people that love him. The first prayer that God will ever hear from you is, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. After that, the playing field's wide open. But you first got to get in the family. God put prayer in, not for people who don't believe there's a God, not for people that are rebelling against God, not for those that have been blinded to God and don't want to hear God, but he does have that there for those that are going to seek God with all of their heart. He is going to deal with that. He is going to come and do what only he can do. But if we don't pray right, we're not going to live right. If we don't tell God to hold us accountable for our sin, we're going to find ourselves drifting, drifting, drifting. And if the truth were known this morning, there's hurt in every, every row here. In every row of seats, in every section, there's some hurting. On this platform, there's some hurting. That's what life is all about. But there's not one need that any of us have that God won't supply if it's going to be done for his glory and for my benefit and for your benefit. When you come to grips with that, folks, it changes your whole life. It changes the way you listen to news, watch news, or believe the news. Mark eleven twenty five. 25 it says, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. That's a pretty big hurdle, isn't it? You know what that just said? It says, as long as you sit here Sunday after Sunday and you're mad at this one, he beat you out of this, he did this, I'll never forgive you as long as I live, your prayer life is Zippo. But when you get that done... A new door is going to open up to you. You say, but, but you don't know, preacher, what somebody's done to me. It doesn't matter what they've done to you. I know what they did to Jesus. And he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now let's go on to the next chapter. What was the next chapter? It was put in a tomb. What was the next chapter? Three days later, he rose from the grave. Is that not right? What happened 40 days? Let's keep the story going. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And what's going to happen soon? Jesus is coming again. But there could have been a big hang-up on the cross. Because all that took place was the Son obeying the will of the Father. Not my will, but thine be done. And Jesus trusted the Father, and the rest is history to this moment. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. I wonder how many prayers we pray and never never start off our prayer time with getting right with God ourselves. You see, in order to approach God, when there's that hidden sin from others, not hidden from God, but hidden from others in our life, and we don't confess it to God, we don't have any power in prayer. When there's that bitterness, we don't have any power in prayer. We've got to get rid of that burden. Just like Jesus did. 
when he prayed that prayer and the father moved on to the next chapter and will continue until our Lord comes again and we all stand before him. You know, when you focus more on the Lord than you do on your problems and the demons and Satan, when you do that, you're there. You're there. You're right where you need to be. In Zechariah 3, 2, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Remember that powerful statement? Wouldn't it be wonderful for you to find that you had power over the devil and know it and could use it? I'm telling you, you got it. You just need to learn how to use it. And the way you use it, you first got to forgive. Father, remember the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our trespasses. How? As we do what? Forgive others who've done what? Against who? Me. Not him, him, us. See, that's the key that opens the door. That's the place that we go and we find peace that passes all understanding. All understanding. On the cross, Mark 14, 36, Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but what you will. May it be done. Victory. There's victory in Jesus. There's victory at the cross. There's victory at the altar. There's victory planned for every single believer. But we have to take it to the Lord and leave it there. Romans 8.15 says, For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby now we can cry, Abba, Father. Let the Lord just embrace you. Always be ready to pray after the worship service. Many of you, in just a few moments now, need to go back to our Connection Center where people can pray with you. Others need to go over to our prayer chapel where you can pray alone. Just you and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but you can go there. But you need to pray. Not, not sometimes this week, today, before you ever leave the campus. Did you know that on Monday mornings at 11 o'clock in the West Wing, we're having prayer meetings from 11 to 12. We are praying what I am preaching this morning. We believe that the only hope is for the church to start praying for God to show up and bless America like we want him to when we sing God bless America. We must spend more time praying than we do describing what we're praying for. Oftentimes, our request is 20 minutes long and our prayer is 20 seconds. No, God knows the problem. God knows the real problem. Take it to the Lord and leave it there. The Lord got real frustrated with his disciples in Matthew 26, 40 because they wouldn't pray with him for an hour. They were too busy, too tired, too lazy. I made a call this week, and I'll close with this. Don Miller went to be the Lord a couple of years ago. His son is Gary Miller. I came across something while I was looking at this message, and, and, uh, and I found out where to call, and I got a hold of his widow. And uh, his widow 
shared with me some things about had happened a couple of years ago and how, how he went to be with the Lord. And I told her, I said, you know, I, I read years ago when Don wrote How to Spend an Hour with God in Prayer. I don't have time. My time is gone. I'll just, I'll give you 10 things, not the scripture, but here's what I'm going to try to do tomorrow. I'm going to try to get a hold of Gary and get him to send me as many of these as he will. Make them available, and I'll make them as a gift to you. Listen why I'm so impressed with this, how to spend an hour in prayer. You say, you know, what do you pray about? How do you spend an hour in prayer? Here was his list. I won't give you the scripture. I hope I'll have it here next week. Number one, praise the Lord for who he is for five minutes. Read the word for five minutes. Meditate on what you just read for five more minutes. Confess your sins and shortcomings in five minutes. Some of us might have to go 10 on that one, but anyway, five minutes. Intercede for others for five minutes. Listen to God's voice. I told you how to do that. Read the scripture out loud. Number seven, pray using the language of the word. Number eight, pray for your own needs. Number nine, pray for your pastor and staff and church leaders. Number 10, pray for your church as a whole. Number 11, pray for public and corporate leaders. And number 12, give thanks. Five minutes each times 12, 60 minutes. 